You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. You girls are all in here. Because you have been suspected of being in a gang. Hello and welcome to the Miseducate podcast. My name is Sarah Gathugu, host and owner of the Miseducate blog and now podcast. This podcast is here to expand upon prior and future blog posts and is centered around having open and honest conversations about the aspects of life we have been misinformed on. Whether that be relationships, religion, culture, you name it, I'm here to talk about it. Each episode, I will be talking about a different topic and inviting guests to talk about their own experiences of miseducation and what they are doing to re-educate themselves. This podcast aims to make you laugh, think, and inspire conversations for change. None of us have it right. We have all been miseducated. In this episode, I'll be talking about people-pleasing. What it is, its origins, how it ruins important relationships in our lives, and how we can possibly overcome it. So without further ado, let's get into it. Hello everyone, my name is Sarah Gathugu and I'm a people pleaser in recovery. Today I relapsed in my recovery because I messaged an old acquaintance that I shouldn't have. I thought I was being a nice person. I wanted to encourage them. I mean, at the end of the day, words of affirmation is one of my lung languages. And I convinced myself that I would have done it for any and everyone. But this was a particular acquaintance that I shouldn't have messaged. They were, they were an acquaintance for a reason. And it's not that they had done something bad, but I, knowing myself, had crossed a boundary that I had drawn for my own protection. And I kept asking myself, why did I do that? 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 Why did I cross that boundary? Why did I cross that boundary? And there was another voice coming back at me saying, I was just being nice. I was just being nice. There's nothing wrong with being nice. And I tried to justify the action with disingenuine niceness. But the result of my transgression was anxiety as the feelings continued to mount and the questions were pounding in my head, 
why did you do it? 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 I finally admitted to myself, I did it to make sure that they liked me. People pleaser, as defined on Merriam-Webster, is someone or something that pleases or wants to please people. An additional definition is a person who has an emotional need to please others, often at the expense of his or her own needs or desires. Furthermore, according to the School of Life, people pleasers are liars, to put it bluntly. They lie because they are terrified at the thought of the displeasure of others. It is not necessarily just doing favours for other people or agreeing with others, but these people pleasers are consumed by what others think of them. And its origins are kind of from being around people who are radically unaccepting or unforgiving of the facts about us as individuals. They don't like the fact that we disagree with them, that we have our own opinions, that we are different to them, we have to be the same. And the most immediate examples of who those people could be is our family or our caregivers as they form how we interpret and navigate the world around us. But I also think that it can also come from a place of being a marginalised individual. We have the model minority, the good woman, you know, the angel of the house from the Victorian era, the good black slash the acceptable negro, which I did an article for for Black Ballad, shameless plug, and I will link it in the description of this episode. I think when you're in marginalized, a marginalised individual, we are hyper-vigilant that we are other from society's never-ceasing reminders of our otherness. I think the reminder of otherness, and I want to stress this, is high, is different from actually accepting and celebrating difference, which is wonderful and needed in our society because difference is good. I think the reminder of otherness is a reminder of our alienness and thus of fear. And so we conform to be accepted which is ironic because we're not actually accepted. We're met with the bare minimum of being tolerated by a society who are very quick to get rid of us and blame us for our difference rather than accepting responsibility of the inability to acknowledge, accept and celebrate difference. These origins of our people-pleasing tendencies or people-pleasing syndrome, as I would like to say, leads to the rooting of codependency, which Selma Hindi, I know I'm butchering names, but she did this amazing TED talk that you should all listen to. It leads to the origins of codependency, which Selma in her TED talk defines as the excessive emotional or psychological reliance on a loved one. Codependency is unconscious and it leads to passive and passive behavior and evades us from taking responsibility. The damaging effects of being a people pleaser is that one, and I've said this before in previous episodes, is that we lose ourselves. We lose who we are. And 
we begin to normalize ignoring how we really feel. The second one, which is, I think I've also touched upon this as well, is resentment. We begin to resent the people that we aim to please because they are not reciprocating the behavior that we are extending. This resentment is a sign in which the insincere intention of our nature is revealed because it shows us we did not act out of kindness, but with the aim of trying to control and manipulate other people. Again, I also want to stress that there's a difference between showing kindness and then realizing that the other person is taking advantage of your kindness and having self-respect, self-love and self-awareness to set a boundary with that person and leave. There's a difference between doing that and holding anger for the lack of reciprocity, which is, as I said, an effect of being a people pleaser. Going back to myself as a people pleaser, um, as a people pleaser in recovery, as a child, I wanted to be liked. I've, again, said this on previous episodes, and it's something that I'm still working on as an adult. I was insecure being a little black girl. And... I think one of the ways in which I was people-pleasing as a child, which I think might be surprising to some people, is that I liked to sing a lot at um, different events. Church, family, uh, family gatherings. Um, yeah, church, family gatherings, any kind of Kenyan function, weddings, I was there. And... I did it because I wanted to get external validation, but it's interesting because when I look back at those times of me singing, I remember doing it because I thought that that's because I, because my parents wanted me to. But when I asked my parents, oh, why did I sing? Like, why did you guys always make me sing? They're like, their recollection is, no, you asked to sing. You wanted to sing. And I think for a long time, because this is a really long story and I could really get into like um, my relationship with music and my relationship with singing and stuff like that, which is a whole different story. But to kind of like cut it short, um, I kind of used, I kind of did it because I knew it made other people happy. And I knew that it gave me some kind of external validation and showed that I was good at something and that I was liked because as a child, I had come to believe that there was something inherently wrong with me. And so like later in my life, when I was like, I would say like 10, like eight, nine, 10 till around like maybe 11 or 12, I became really like not willing to sing as much because I felt like I'd been forced to do it and it wasn't because I loved to do it and it took a really long time and I would even say to like probably now to really fully love and enjoy music and singing again like I'd battled with it for so long because as a child I knew I did it for external validation and it still didn't curb the need 
to feel liked. And I feel like my people-pleasing tendencies changed when I was a teenager because it turned to um, not necessarily doing favours from so- for someone, but it, it turned into changing who I was. It kind of changed in two ways. Okay, so the first one is changing who I was to please, especially, like, boys that I liked. Um, it changed so that I could, yeah, please the boys that I liked. I would listen to the same music as them. I'd watch the same TV shows as them just so that I had something to talk about with them, just so that they would like me. Um, and also, I think it kind of changed in a way because it wasn't... I was so consumed by other people liking me Actually, it wasn't even like I was consumed by the thoughts of others and it wasn't necessarily that they liked me, but I wanted to make sure that they had no negative thoughts towards me. So, yeah, like I, I, I've written down here, it wasn't necessarily making people making sure people liked me, but making sure that they had no thoughts about me. And so it was internalized as being really, really quiet. And so I'll give you a story, which is now really funny and also quite problematic. But at the time, but um, but in in retrospect, shows a lot of who I was as a teenager and what I had internalized as a teenager. So, as I said, in school, I was also like really, really quiet. Um. And when I was, like, in year 9 or year 10, so I was about 14, 15, um, I made friends. I don't even think I made friends. I think I just fell into this kind of friendship group. And let me not get it wrong. We had some fun times. It was fun. I really do have a lot of love for those girls. They were so funny. It was a group of us girls. We were majority no not majority we were all from black or south asian backgrounds and we all just kind of flocked together there was a huge group of us there was at least 10 or 11 or 12 of us and we just kind of sat together and did everything together and we did cause a little bit of mischief we did we did however we were just you know you know, 14, 15-year-old girls just having fun and just talking. However, it was also, because we were 14, 15-year-old girls, there was also elements of cattiness. And, yeah, everyone talked about each other behind their backs. Like, everybody talked about each other behind their backs. And I liked being a part of this group, a part being a part of this big group, because it felt like I was insulated from being singled out because there were so many of us like why would and we all and everybody had big personalities it was like why would you single out me when there are all these different people who have opinions and say what they want and are loud and all this different stuff like I could just blend into the background I thought it was the perfect place to hide and also I kind of felt accepted because they were people that could relate to me and my background as a young black girl who was, you know, 14, 15, who was, yeah, 
So I really like, let me not get it wrong and get it twisted with this story. I really liked that group, but it had its pros and cons. The people who didn't like us were the teachers. And um, one day, my friend and I, my best friend at the time, shout out to her wherever you are in the world. We had some good times. Um, my best friend and I, who were in the same form, um, we had we went to form, which is like, I don't know, like home. I don't know what people, what is it called around the world? Like there's a certain class that you go to where you're like, you have registration. In England, we call it form. Actually, do we call it that like everywhere in England? Like do we have form time everywhere in England or is this just, I don't know. That's a very good question. I'm very, I'm intrigued. But we have like a, a class that we go to with the same people that we see every day. And that is where we have like registration. And so like me and my friend went to form. Me and my best friend, we were in form and we're sitting down and my form teacher comes in and he does the register. And I remember he just looked up and he was a particular like grumpy individual. And he was like, Sarah, I don't want to say my friend's name because I don't want to give away. Um, but people that know me know this story. They were, and he was like, Sarah. And then my friend, I'm just going to give her the name Judy. I don't know why the name Judy came to my head. It's like, Sarah, Judy, go to the hall. You're being summoned. And this is how you know that I was a goody goody two shoes at school because everybody else in the form heard my teacher, my form tutor say, Sarah and Judy go to the hall and everybody was like, instead of being like, ooh, they're in trouble, they were like, oh, Sarah and Judy, oh, they're getting an award. Must be something good. They might be going on like some kind of trip, scholarship. I don't know, they must have been chosen for something good, right? And so like, me and my friend also believed it too. We were like, oh, this is something good. Yeah, this is cool. Like, I wonder what it is. And I remember as we walked down to the hall, like, there was this, like, feeling in my stomach that I was like, I'm in trouble. And I was like, no, you're not in trouble. You can't be in trouble. You haven't done anything. You haven't said anything. You, you don't do anything. How could you be in trouble for anything? And so we go into the hall. And me and my friend at this point are, like, fully convinced that we're getting an award or something. Because everybody's convinced us that we're getting an award. And I go into the hall... And um, I see all of our group of friends and immediately the pin drops and I'm like, we're not getting an award. We're not getting an award. And I see some other groups of girls that I don't know. I don't know who they are. They're from another side, the other side of the year to us. So we have never really like interacted with them. Just random girls who are also happen to be from black and South Asian um, descent. And they're all in the hall. And it's not just our year head that's in the hall. It is the deputy head teacher who was very scary and looks like he has done some rough things in the past. Um, just imagine a very scary man, tall man, very scary looking, very racist looking as well. So he's in the hall. And you know those teachers that do that thing, especially when they like, push out their hips and they put their hands on their hips and they kind of push out and square themselves so they look like like they're in control like they know what they're doing that is how he was standing and my year head was standing with like her arms crossed looking all like disappointed 
And there was another teacher as well, but I can't remember who it is. Somebody remind me. Um, and me and my friend, we go and we sit down. And basically they start shouting at us and they're like, you girls are all in here because you have been suspected of being in a gang. Two plus two is four, five plus five is ten. I'm in a gang. I'm in a gang. I'm in a gang. Did she just say I'm in a gang? I'm in a gang. I'm... Okay. I think I heard correctly. I think this lady just said... Me. Me. Sarah Gathugu. Who has always tried to get good grades, be the good little black girl that I could always be, is, is in a gang. My child of immigrant ass is in a gang? Excuse me? So I'm being suspected of being in a gang and they're going on and on and on about how there are gang leaders among us and that we are initiating violence and gang culture and we're threatening and intimidating people and there are those who... Yeah, there yeah, there there are those girls who were the gang leaders, but and she was like, and these people, this is what gets me the most. And she's like, and there are others of you who are simply followers. You are sheep. You go along with everything of what is said, and you're worse than the gang leaders because you're enabling them. Girl, you don't have to be so passive-aggressive. I know you're talking about me. I know you're talking about me, miss. You don't have to be so passive-aggressive. And basically, to cut a long story short, we were threatened with expulsion. Like, because they don't tolerate gang culture. Looking in retrospect now, that was one of the most scariest moments. <laughs> That's one of the scariest moments of, of like, school for me in secondary school was sitting in that hall on that stupid ass wooden bench and like having to say my name to this deputy head teacher and uh, because he was like I want to remember each and every one of your names um sitting there I was proper shaking like anxiety was like on another one and saying my name Sarah <laughs> and also being passive aggressively called a sheep because I decided to be in a group of girls in which I didn't want to talk or say anything. And obviously in retrospect, I see it now and I'm like, knowing what I know, it was definitely racial profiling. It was also very hypocritical because there was also another group of kids who used to hang out all together and were the same size as us. Um, there's a difference with us being told off for the mischievous things that we did, which were always small individual instances, and then being threatened with expulsion because we were promoting gang culture. We were not promoting gang culture. I want to make that very abundantly clear. It was definitely racial profiling um, and racist connotations and intentions. Um, so, yeah. Um, but that comment of being a sheep, is definitely summarizes how I was as a teenager. I was definitely a sheep. I wanted to follow. I didn't want to think. I just wanted to follow. I just wanted to be hidden in the background. And yeah. 
that's just it just summarizes how I was as a teenager um and I think as an adult the people pleasing tendencies evolved again and I think that my people pleasing tendencies evolved to become more calculated and more manipulative in which I wanted to control the situation and I wanted to make sure that people liked me according to the information that I w- was giving them and, and stuff like that. I wasn't being a genuine person. I can see a, now in a lot of instances and in a lot of um, friendships in which I was not being genuinely myself. And I guess this is where I find myself now, especially with what I would say was a relapse of going in, in, yeah, and how I would describe as a relapse and going back into being a people pleaser for this person in the instance that I said in the beginning. And I guess when I finally said to myself, I did it because I wanted to make sure that, you know, this person still liked me. Um, I was like, okay, so then how do I stop it? Like, how do, how do I stop myself from doing this again for the intention of being liked? How do I balance being a kind person? Because I don't want to change who I am. I don't want to change kindness. I think kindness as, as humans is, is such, is the bare minimum that we can give to each other is kindness. Um, how do I balance being kind, but also being myself like how do I do how do I stop being a people pleaser how do I recover from these tendencies and so obviously I went online to search (laughs) what to do because I don't know um and I went online and I searched and honestly so I'm gonna link all the videos and stuff that I watched below because I think they're all really helpful and all really um beautifully narrated and here are a few things that I found. And one of the first one is realizing that people aren't like the unhealthy environments that we grew up in and that the people that we now meet can deal with disagreement and contradiction. Some of us, when we were growing up, our parents didn't allow us to have our own opinion or didn't allow us to express ourselves or express our emotions. And so when we go into relationships as an adult it becomes very hard to like fully assert ourselves and to really express how we feel with another person because we feel like they are not going to accept us in the way that our parents did I think that also it can make it also hard to have real relationships with our parents as adults and have real conversations with our parents as adults because we've never really been able to have conversations... We were never taught to have conversations with them as a child. It's recognising that it's okay to, like, disagree with somebody. It's okay to, like, not always agree with someone's opinion and to state that you don't agree. I think it's also realising that you don't have to like everyone, you know? There's a way of being... of respectfully disliking someone. The second thing that I found on how to stop people-pleasing is acknowledging the harmful effects that it has on yourself and others. The third thing that I found is is that you need to trust yourself 
in how you communicate and that the way that you communicate as an adult in comparison to as a child is that you've learned the art of communication. We can be more artful with our communication. And it's interesting because in the video in which this was said, they said there is a way of being assertive without insulting people. And I think that's very true is understanding that things are not binary and that I think the importance of communication is not necessarily um, the importance of the communication is comprehension. So I think it, there should be a way in which you can deliver your message in a way that the person is ready to receive it, even if it may take the other person a long time to receive it. Um, there's a way of delivering that message without compromising the contents of it. It's like, there's a, like if you order something on Amazon, there's a way in which the seller has to box it so that it can be delivered to you. Like they're not going to put a bike in like a shoe box, right? Because it's not going to fit. It has to have a bigger box. It has to have a box in which you, you know, the bike can go in if that makes sense. Um, no, it does make sense. I need to stop saying if that makes sense because that is also a way in which, especially as women, like we try to censor our communication because by over-apologizing or saying things like, if that makes sense, um, and just being true in how you communicate. Okay, that's me trying to like not be a people pleaser. Okay, so that, yeah, there's a way of being assertive without insulting people. Also, as I kind of touched upon, balance. There is a way of being considerate and sensitive to others and being empathetic to other people while also not being consumed about how they see you and also staying true to who you are, the essence of who you are. I think it's also very important and something in which that wasn't in a people-pleasing video, but like how to stop worrying about other people's opinions. Like don't consume yourself. And they said in the video, they were like, don't consume yourself as to whether they like you, but focus more on showing that you like them. And that's all you can really control. It's okay to not like others, but you don't have to be an asshole about it. And I think, especially when I look back on like, bell hooks is all about love there's a part in which she's like love is all about risk like you have to be willing to take the risks when it comes to love and I think in all kinds of like familial love friendship love romantic love like it's always about risks and when you choose to love someone when you choose to be in that state of being of love it's not really about um oh how do they see me like I feel like you stop looking at how you appear to the other person and you more try to show your appreciation of that person and how much you kind of like that person, not to get something in return, but because you love them. Like, think of those times where people are like, oh, I just got you flowers just because. Or, um, you know, depending on people's different love languages, some people want to hug. Some people want to spend time with you. Some people want you know, a gift, some people want encouragement. It, we're all different. We're all different. And we show, we choose to show those people that we love 
that we love them. Like, that's what we do because, because we love them. <laughs> How many times am I going to say because we love them? But yeah, love is a good, love is a good reason. And I think it kind of negates like the, the nice guy trope in which it's like, I did all this and the, you know, what I was, what was I saying before about like the resentment that we sometimes hold because it's like, I did all this and I didn't get anything back. And also, as I said, like, if you start to realize that you're doing so much for an individual and you're realizing that this person is like transgressing your boundaries or not, not respecting you or taking advantage of, of your kindness, you can leave. That is self-respect. And the last thing that I found and that was told to me many times by my therapist um, was that you can't control everything, unfortunately. Um, you actually can't control everything. People are hypocritical. Um, it's so interesting because in the TED talk that I listened to, uh, Salma was like, you know, people are hypocritical. People will praise others for the same decisions that they criticize you for. You can't control everything. And so like, I'll bring it back to the story of me being in a gang. Again, I was not in a gang. Um, but that group of friends, yes, I loved being in that kind of friendship circle and I kind of loved the on the one aspect being in a group of girls that like understood where I was culturally but it was also as I said very catty um although I tried to blend as much into the background be a sheep as my year had said um and yeah I was being a sheep like as much as I tried to be quiet and not say anything and just not kind of shake the boat with my different opinions I remember one day finding out from one of the other girls in the group that that another girl in our group had been talking about me and I remember asking her the girl that told me I was like why was she talking about me I don't do anything in the group I don't say anything because I felt very close with this particular person to air how I truly felt and she was like that's the point she thinks it's really creepy that you don't say anything this one particular person who had said this about me she was also criticizing people who had different opinions to her and she was also criticizing me for not having an opinion at all you can't please anyone you can't please anyone we're all hypocrites myself included people will praise others for the same decisions that they criticize you for you can't control anything you can't control what people think about you and so as we draw this episode to an end i think it's important to note that we all have people-pleasing tendencies. Some, other, some more than others, but we all have tendencies. We've all at one point, you know, conformed to the opinions of others for, you know, fear of disapproval, fear of rejection, all because we think it's the most loving thing to do. And I think it's important to be patient with yourself, take responsibility, take accountability for your actions. It's not always easy to do. I say it like it's easy to do, it's really not. And also just understand that there are multiple truths and the acknowledgement of one truth is not the absence of your own. Also, I don't know whether it's entirely possible in the, in the ways in which we as a society, as a collective of human beings and how the world has revolved, I don't know whether it's possible for us to stop caring about other people's opinions. I don't know. I don't think it's possible for us to do it. However, I do think there are ways in which we can cope with it. I think there is a way in which we can not necessarily eradicate that voice, but like silence it, make it 
more quiet, a more muted voice that's in the background or a way in which we can balance it so it's healthy where it's like, like, yes, I do care about this person's opinion, but it's not going to dictate how I then view myself. And so that is the end of our session. <laughs> um, let me know. Are you a people pleaser in recovery? And you can let me know by following Miss Educate on social media. The information will be in the description box below, along with all the resources and articles and videos that I watched on people pleasing that you can then watch for yourself. Additionally, so will Miss Educate blog, where you can now listen to these episodes along with a few additional notes from yours truly. And while you're there, don't forget to add your email to the subscription list so that you don't miss out on new posts. And lastly, continue to watch, read, listen, educate, and then re-educate yourselves. Make sure to rate, review, and share this podcast with a friend and another friend, and tune in next time for another discussion on the Miseducate podcast. Bye! You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you. With professional-grade industrial supplies, count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.